0: I didn't know there was anything other than what I had been told was available to me. And I trusted that everything on that American dream checklist would make me feel fulfilled and satisfied that I was going to win. And so ultimately I had to say, wait a minute, why, why is this not fulfilling to me? Why am I frustrated? Why do I dread going to work? What the heck is going on? I finally took responsibility for that and made a lot of life changes.
1: Hi, I'm Michelle Rios, host of the Live Your Extraordinary Life podcast. This podcast is built on the premise that life is meant to be joyful, but far too often we settle for less. So if you've ever thought that something is missing from your life, that you were meant for more, or you simply want to experience more joy in the everyday, then this podcast is for you. Each week, I'll bring you captivating personal stories, transformative life lessons, and juicy conversations on living life to the fullest, with the hope to inspire you to create a life you love on your terms, with authenticity, purpose, and connection. Together, we'll explore what it means to live an extraordinary life, the things that hold us back, and the steps we all can take to start living our best lives. So come along for the journey. It's never too late to get started, and the world needs your light.
2: I am so excited for today's episode. I have my friend Nakoa here with me. Nakoa is a very experienced executive leadership and personal coach. She's based in North Carolina. She had an extensive corporate career before going into the coaching arena. She is just filled with wisdom and we connected several months ago because we both live life with so much intention. That it was like kismic attraction when we met. And we knew we needed to spend some time together and talk about our favorite topic, which is life by design. So without further ado, Nicoa, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm wonderful,
0: Michelle. And you're right. I think we are soul sisters. I mean, this life by design alignment. And even when I told you I own the domain, I live extraordinary.com, I was like, oh. This is her whole shtick. Honestly, I'm just going to give it to you. I'm going to give you that domain. I promise I will give that to you.
2: I'm going to jump right in because there's so many juicy topics for us to cover. We found out that we have so many synchronicities over the course of our lifetime of so many experiences that we both have gone through, different moments in time that resonated. And I want to make sure we can delve into some of that juiciness. So Uh Nikoa, Let's start with what does it mean to you to live your extraordinary life?
0: My extraordinary life continues to expand. And if I find myself stuck, then it's not extraordinary. And so back in the day when I was living the American dream as it had been defined for me and brainwashed into me, and I fully embraced that American dream checklist, I recognized over the, I don't know, probably only about 15 years into my career that I was doing all the things and wasn't continuing to feel good about myself. I wasn't fulfilled. I wasn't satisfied. I was happy. I mean, I had done all the things I'd set out to do. Right. I even had a stay-at-home husband, for goodness sakes. I mean, you might as well have said, You're, you, you have know. you right? that right. I'm checked out. topic. I have, I have exact anything. Place of bread. <laughs> not right. I am everything and a side of prize, right? I mean, you couldn't have looked at me and not thought, well, she must be fulfilled and satisfied. She's got everything she ever wanted. And what I ultimately recognize is to live an extraordinary life, you have to take the blinders off about why you want what you want, Right. I didn't know there was anything other than what I had been told was available to me. And I trusted that everything on that American dream checklist would make me feel fulfilled and satisfied that I was going to win. And so ultimately I had to say, wait a minute, why, why is this not fulfilling to me? Why am I frustrated? Why do I dread going to work? Why did I just want to ignore that one phone call from my CEO? What the heck is going on? And, you know, lots of glasses of wine later, I finally took responsibility for that and made a lot of life
2: changes. But let's let's delve in there for a minute because you're really describing something that so many of us go through because we are really raised to believe in the American dream. That's what happens. And I think a lot of Western cultures believe in that sort of notion. And we work really hard we get into the right colleges, we come out, we go after those big corporate jobs and we get there and we are literally going through the tick list. I got the house or the apartment and I'm living in X place. I'm making X salary. I'm able to fill in the blank, go on a trip, buy the clothes, go out to eat, do things with my friends, get married, all the things, buy the car. And yet, The feelings that you think are going to be associated with that tick list of success that we're all given. Usually there's a big void. Rarely have I heard somebody say, Oh, life is so fulfilling. Instead, we hear this. Something's missing. I'm doing all this. I'm exhausted. Yeah. And something's missing. What, Mm. how did that moment come up for you? Because you were well into your career. Before oh, you, yeah. uh, awakening, you were doing extremely well. Tell us a little bit about set the scene of like that moment of like, oh, this is just yeah working.
0: Yeah, I um, yeah, there were many moments I just simply didn't listen to them <laughs> early on. Uh, I'll tell you one that always stands out in my mind though, and and I, I had begun. It was a parallel thought process. I had begun to think, well, I guess you have to compromise to make this kind of money and to be an executive. I guess it requires compromise. I guess you just can't actually have it all. And this was probably, you know, this was the early 2000s, you know, when I began to start questioning things and we were being told by the our role models out there, you can't have it all. So i began to think, yeah, you know, they're right. You can't have it all. You can have it all. be
2: All that you weren't experiencing personally, like, honestly, showing up for you.
0: Well, how that was showing up for me was in with regards to fatigue and time. Mm. So time was not available to me. Well, I can't be home with my kids and continue to, you know, integrate this big company. Right. So uh, I can't be home with my children, even though I have a stay at home husband and travel the world and do the work that I am meant to do. So that thought was happening. But in parallel, there was this moment. And I had been working for GE at the time, excellent company, got some of the best training in the world from General Electric. And as I was integrating a company, um in a very small town on the west coast like a merger uh, acquisition yep we had acquired a company and i was the integration leader and the hr leader and the only one from the acquiring company ge i was the only one from ge at this location and it was overwhelming and i was working all day every day into the night early sunday mornings i mean i was work work working and my husband and i had two kids and you know, this is one of those circumstances you bought the house without even seeing it first. I mean, it was all that kind of move, 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 go, 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 career, career,
2: career. Hey, hold on. You bought a house because you were so busy and before you ever saw it.
0: Yeah, we saw a video of it and a description from the realtor and it go was kind of fun. The
2: time <laughs> to deal with this, I'm just like, <laughs> you know, so the majority of your life is a mortgage. And yeah, you're so busy, you're like, just do it.
0: Just do it. And so I didn't carry those things as important. And, you know, my husband took care of the house and the family and the move and I worked full time. And I mean, this is no unusual story. Men tell this story all the time, but there was this one night, night, I will say coming home from work
1: because right. it
0: was dark out and my Blackberry. This is how long ago it was. <laughs> um, I had, I was talking to my mom. Isn't it always talking to the parent, right? I'm talking to my mom. No matter and how old, old we are. Right. No matter, how, I still call my mom. She's absolutely. I'm talking to her and I'm overwhelmed for some reason. Something's frustrating me. Something's upsetting me. And I'm about to head up the mountain into where our neighborhood is, but I have to stop the car because I don't want the conversation to end because you couldn't get service on top of the mountain. This is <laughs> so I pull into this vacant parking lot. And I'm, I get out of the car and I'm walking back and forth in the parking lot and I'm telling my mom. And I remember I'm just overwhelmed. I'm crying and I look up into this, into the universe and I said, Oh my God, mom, I was not put on this earth to work this hard and be this stressed out. Mm. Now she, of course, tries to reassure me, you're making a difference. There's 10,000 employees that you're responsible. I mean, she's like, trying to help me come to terms with where I am and find satisfaction and peace in that moment, which is, by the way, possible, everybody. You don't have to do what I did, which was, and let me be clear, it took me six years from from these moments of epiphany to ultimately quit my corporate job. And that corporate quit happened spontaneously with this stay-at-home husband. I had three kids 12 years of age and under, no plan. I had just had malignant melanoma like nine months earlier, and a year before that thought I was having a heart attack, which turned out to be a panic attack. So if I had stayed, honestly, Michelle, I think I would have died. How now, old were you roughly? Late 30s? Early 40s? I was 38, 38 when I thought I was having a heart attack. I think I was, I was 40 when I quit, and that's not uncommon. That's your midlife crisis. How many of you listening are 40? Yeah, that's the pull. Something <laughs> happens.
2: The really interesting thing is because I look, I think we all get those signs and it's sort of like, where are you in that space in your heart and your mind to whether you're going to act on it or not? I got that sign, as you know, super early in life. Like I was 26 hitting this w- big awakening. And what did I do? I continued down the road for 26 more years. So, just to give you a, you know, a picture, like you can convince yourself of a lot of things. And I actually like this is, I think you and I both feel this way. We have no ill will toward corporations. We love them and we work with them and we're still affiliated with many of them. It's just a very, you have to go into that experience, having a better sense of self and what you want. Than we were aware of or had at that right. Time. You're right. We it's an internal job,
0: everybody. And I didn't even learn that until at, way after the quit because I quit because I was frustrated with my circumstance. I was frustrated with my leader. Something was wrong. I wasn't happy. And hey, by the way, the little that epiphany six years prior. Well, <laughs> I quit GE and went to another company. So what what I'm telling everybody to be very, very careful of is two things. One, are you running away from something or to something? And two, when you get there, don't create the same circus under a different tent.
2: Ooh, that's a good one. Ooh, that's and i a good one, Nicoa.
0: I know. I, I think about it all the time because not only did I do that with two more companies, right? After my beautiful nine year career at GE, but then I did it even when I quit. I went out. And I, my intuition said, you know what? Executive coaching, it's what you love. Focus on that. And I did. And then I said, holy crap, I have to figure out how to have this type of income and I got to create it within the next 12 months because my executive severance goes away. So I'm like, here's what I really want. My intuition is all in it. I'm very excited. And then I think, but what else could I be doing to make sure I make a lot of money and I don't, you know, become homeless bag lady on the side of the road? So I. Started another company with two other women. And I also was consulting and I was coaching. And then about three and a half years into that, I was like, oh my God, I'm dreading my CEO from my little company when she calls. I'm not wanting to do this work. I'm
2: exhausted. You recreated the same scenario outside of that corporate setting. So that's a really important note notation here for anyone listening who may be in corporate thinking that the The solve is to leave. I just encourage you to understand that you actually need to create that space, whether you're in the corporate arena or outside of the corporate arena because the mindset is what needs to change, and if that doesn't change, you're just going to recreate that circumstance. I actually saw somebody yesterday demonstrate this beautifully, and gosh, I'm gonna have to remember who it was um. He basically said, how many of you that are looking to create, um, you know, a bigger, better life, more expansive life have not only started pouring in what your primary cup of where you want to be and what you want to do is, but have said, oh, the path to wealth and riches and abundance is multiple income streams, right? Is this going here? So I should have six or seven of these things going at the same time. So I'm going to pour a little bit in each of these cups. And he said, that's not how it works. The, pave, the the path to wealth and well-being is pour completely in the one cup that you have until that cup runneth over and then begin to pour into the next cup and the next cup and the next cup. You need yep. the, one cup fully. Of whatever that activity is, whatever that new work or experience of life is, before you start spreading yourself so thin. And that's such a good reminder, whether you're in corporate or whether you're an entrepreneur or a coach, to really make sure your primary work funnel is getting filled. And that's where your attention is going before you start really spreading yourself thin, because it's so easy to do. Right. And you want to do yeah. things yesterday and you want to recreate <laughs> that income that you, it took you a really long time to get to, to create. That's in right. A year.
0: Well, I think you, that's great. I I would love to hear who was posting that because that is a really good way to look at it. And the, the way I like to help my clients and the people that come to me and are having this life by design conversation with me really uh, reflect is I ask them to do, a, answer a few questions. And the first question is, what do you want? Right. And you and I were talking about that before it's we even push the cord.
2: Ask yourself because so many people think they know. But then when you ask them, they don't really know. They don't
0: know. And um. so when I ask them what they want, they typically respond by, well, I want a job that or I want a world that or I want a life that. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm going to ask you, how do you want to feel? So I, I always flip it. And then I say, and why? Why do you want to feel that way? you know, why? Or if they do know what they want, why do you want that? Then the next question is, well, okay, how's what you're doing getting you what you want? And if you're not getting what you want, are you willing to try a different way? And the different way isn't a doing. It is to your very point. It is a mindset. It is a perception and it is an attitude. So when someone comes to me and they say, I want a life change. I hate this I dislike this. I'm uncomfortable. I don't, you know, I'm not satisfied. I want something else. I want something better, bigger, more exciting. And I say, well, let's, let's work on both in parallel. Because until you can find satisfaction and peace and and enjoy where you are, I don't, I mean, I'm not telling you to sit in an abusive relationship. Get the heck out. But if you're in an environment, if you're only focused on the toxicity of that culture, then that's all you're going to see and experience. And oh, by the way, you're more likely to create the same circus under a different tent, if you did leave. So let's get a little bit healed over here and begin to look at what we are grateful for, even if we have to draw the line of this is just a means to an end. I don't have to like these people. I don't have to like this culture, but I know I like this work and it gives me money and I can pay my bills. Okay, great. Let's be happy with that. So then when we go attract what it is that we really want to feel and experience in life, the right opportunity will come to us and we don't have to strive and go force it to be a part of our world. And I have to remind myself of this as well in multiple areas of my life, but I remember. And when I remember and I let it go, guess what? Something even better always lands right in my lap. And I'm always so beautifully grateful and surprised that it's even better than what I thought I knew. And that's kind of the expansion I talked about in the beginning. This is an extraordinary life. When you take off the blinders, you're curious and you're open to something even better. This or something even better.
2: Yeah, I think that's so important. Going back to what you just said, the whole notion of what you focus on, what you give your attention to expands. So... If you are looking at only the things that aren't working versus recognizing and acknowledging what actually is working, you're doing yourself a great disservice because it's hard to pivot into the new direction when you're only seeing what's not working. A lot of people have asked me, did you exit corporate America at this stage of the game, sort of at the height of your career because it wasn't serving you anymore? And I said, no, it's a very interesting question. Actually, I had come to a very peaceful place about it. I knew who I was. I was evolving with the responsibilities in the job, but I was able to transition towards something new. And that's very different than when you're trying to get away from something, right? Because the things that you end up having to work on become, like for me, it's nice because I feel like there's less healing. It's not like there's no healing because there's always stuff that you pull back. But I had already been working on what are the things that I didn't like but could live with because I lived a very good life, have had a very good career. I've learned a lot. I have great skills. I still am affiliated with all these companies. I have so many friends in this arena. But I felt that deep calling towards something more. And that way I could actually say, I feel really good about what I've accomplished here, but I really want to experience more. What's that more look like, right?
0: I think I love that. I actually did some retreats back in the day when I was first starting out called The More. And Mm -hmm. we talked about The More. And The More isn't about more, more, better, better thinking. It's expansion within the current state. And so um, you're right, where the mind goes, energy flows and energy expands whatever you're focused on. So everybody pause and write that down mm-hmm. because let's really think about that. You know, I always say to people, we look at body, emotion and language in the coaching world and this bell model is really powerful. And a really key piece of this is what is the language you're using? And are you using language to focus on your world that is negative? or positive. And I'm not just talking about positive affirmations. I I'm, I'm really want you to notice if you're using your words as a wand, because if you're focused on something negative, you're going to be, it's just, worrying is just like wishing, right? Where the mind goes, energy flows. And sometimes that's really hard. I mean, yeah, even this week, I went to a coach for myself and she does energy work. And I said, I am obsessing over this one topic that is not creating a future for me. It is causing me to be so focused on what is and my past. I can't get past it. And she said, that's okay. She's like, sit with it. But then you've got to practice thinking about what is the the opposite of that. What is the alternative thought? So you literally have to practice changing the thought thing, changing your language, And another really key question to ask yourself as you go through life, when you get triggered, whether it's a conscious trigger or an autonomic nervous system trigger, right, a cellular history, some sort of trauma that's causing you to react, ask yourself the following question. What am I making this mean? Because you own that. Here, you know, Michelle, what do you think the most annoying thing about life is?
2: Most annoying thing about life. Mm. Mm. Now it could could
0: be what's the most liberating thing about life too. Same answer.
2: Well, mm. I would say the most liberating thing about life is if you don't like what's happening, you have the power to change it. Right. So this is the Dolores Cannon uh, quote: and you are the producer, the director, and the actor in your own life." So that's keep, exactly keep how stories going. Guess what, folks. It's up to you to do something different.
0: That's right. And so there it is. You can either perceive that, which is you are the common denominator of your life experience. You can perceive that as very annoying. Woe is me. I'm a victim to this world. Or you can (laughs) be like, wow, that's the most liberating thing I ever thought of. I no longer have to rely on the people around me to show up in a way that I need them to in order to be happy. What? I mean, I do believe the root of all suffering is people not showing up for you the way you wish they would. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just had an argument with my 19 year old yesterday. We were in the kitchen and I didn't validate her. And she was really pissed. Mm-hmm. I was in my head. I was listening to this topic. And then after I didn't listen long enough or something, you know, we, as parents, we never quite get it. Right. We're trying, but she says, we are.
2: You're
0: in right. We are a work. We are. I, honestly, Michelle, I don't think we're going to be enlightened in this lifetime, but it was such a beautiful ultimate conversation. It, it kind of it peaked and then it went back and and I said to her, you know, I'm not always gonna show up for you the way you wish I would. And just so you know, I don't do that out of some sort of spiteful intention. It's literally the first time I've ever been your mom on this day of your life. Okay. So I'm doing a totally clear
2: job on. That's right. Hey, you know, it's interesting because I was dealing with this with my 16-year-old last night and I actually pulled up, let me ask you this, kiddo, what are your love languages? I think I know what they are, but mine tend to be words of affirmation. Your dad's are acts of service. What do you think yours are? So I pulled them up when we're going through it and he's like, oh, he's like physical touch and brace. He's like, when you hug me, I feel, and he said this, I feel more relaxed and calm. And they said, mm. it's so important to know. Come here. Give, I'll give you a hug because you're just going through a little rough patch.
0: But That's right. That's co-regulation. And, and it's everything is energy. So some of the work that you and I have talked about is this whole concept of energy leadership and frequency and what you just described. Beautiful, first of all, that you asked what his love language was. And I want to do, I was actually, believe it or not, I was thinking about that as well yesterday about my daughter. I thought, what does she really need? And so we should do that. But secondly, this whole concept of frequency. Mm. So human beings need touch. Whether it's their love language or not, we do need to co-regulate with each other. And hopefully the people that you surround yourself can with can help you balance that out. I mean, sometimes I'm the energy that a lot of people need and and I can be big and and you're champion and you're fun and you're, you know, people say, I need I need some Nikoa energy. And then sometimes I need to come in to be with the people around me, like my beautiful, grounded, introverted, quiet husband and say, can I just sit next to you? Like, I can't. I'm, I need to be grounded after all the energy I've just expended. So it's important to recognize who in your world helps you co-regulate like that. And how you observe yourself. How are you showing up? What frequency are you? What energy, as the Oprah quote, you're responsible for the energy that you bring into the room? Absolutely. So everything is energy leadership, energy awareness and, and how you self manage that.
2: Let me ask you this because this is something that actually happened and unfolded. Mm-hmm. You know, I was I'm sharing with you that I had a spell where I wasn't well last week under the weather and, um, I had a situation unfold, uh, where the information that I was being given was challenging and I sat with it for a little bit and my old self would have said, I'm really stressed out about this information and what it meant to me, right? I'm really stressed out. And like, how does, how is it being perceived? And maybe I should try to go control it or, you know, give it new meaning. And instead, um, partly because I wasn't feeling well, I let the weekend, just unusual for me, let it go. And let it roll into the weekend and allow myself to just say, what meaning are you going to give that? You know, this person was acting in fear when they gave you this information. So it's tainted with that perception. So rather than go back and choose to be right and try to, you know, change their thinking around it, let them sit with it too and allow yourself to let it be easy. Because I could feel myself going, I'm kind of stressed about this. My nervous system is like having a response to this information. And I said, what if we just let it be easy and we can still go through it. We still have to process it. We still have to live with it and move forward. And I'll tell you, I am now almost a week out from that conversation and it has new meaning for me of like, it's a moment in time for this person. They probably had some time to think about it as well. And I've not allowed it to occupy space in my mind like it I would have obsessed about it
0: right
2: I would have obsessed about this one conversation where I was certain this person had limited information it was looking at it from the wrong perspective and and all the things and I just said and and so what Mm, that
0: is so beautiful Michelle you observed yourself you asked yourself what you wanted You understood why you wanted that, because it felt better to not be stressed out, striving, trying to fix it, trying to make sure they knew you were right or wrong or whatever. And you allowed your body to then reground itself. And the gift of time, path of least resistance and the gift of time. You know, my father, he passed away just over a year ago, and he used to always say, it was never what you wanted him to say, but he would always say, give it time
2: give it time. So true. So Uh, true. And we don't, we're impatient. High achievers, right? And this whole audience listening in, all high achievers, all busy people, raising families, having careers, doing it all, being entrepreneurs, like executives, they're all doing these great things. And it's so difficult, but important to remember if my ego, honestly, wanted to make some phone calls. I Then the nails back, let me tell you to set the record straight. My ego is desperate to be heard. And it really, I was actually grateful I wasn't feeling well because I said, you know, you're yeah. not clear either because you don't feel well. So give it some time and see if you still want to write that email and still want to make that call. And then I kept saying to myself, what if you let it be easy? And then my ego is like, oh, I'm off the hook. Okay, good. It's beautiful. It's a liberating place to be where I might I don't have to worry about other people's perception of the situation that's theirs. And well, let's think about it
0: this uh- way. I like this analogy because what you're talking about is the path of least resistance, right? So anytime you're upset, you are resisting. Anytime you are upset with something, anxious about something, it is you are resisting something. You're resisting what is the facts at hand. You just had a fender bender. Oh my gosh. Oh my God, we have. Okay. By the way, that kind of drama. Oh, I'm going to be stressed out. Oh, this is so overwhelming. That's learned behavior. It's a choice. That is right. It is a choice. So you have to really begin begin to observe yourself. And I, I often think about a lot of my, um, executive clients as if they're, they're going down this river and then something like whatever happened to you this week happens and they grab onto that root that's on the side of the river and then they just, they're holding some root and the river is just, you know, flailing away and it, it's just getting them. But if they were to just let go of the root, the river will take them where they need to be. And by the way, floating down the river, I mean, there's going to be some some you know, rapids sometimes, but you're going to be fine if you just allow the path of least resistance. And you, you described it well. I'm, I'm actually, you know, I think there's value in all. So I'm actually really glad that you were sick last week. And did. I know that sounds terrible. I know but what I'm saying. Sure, me too. It was happening for you. Totally. Just like your son's foot, he just hurt his foot. I'm like, that's happening for him. That's
2: happening for it him. Yes, and, and then we've had this time where we were slowed down and we could meet each other where the need was. I wouldn't have been able to hear him, you know, like I'll honestly say he's struggling a little bit with like a heavy course load at school. If he hadn't slowed down in soccer because of the foot injury. We probably would be going 150 miles an hour and we wouldn't be discussing what's happening at school, That it is more stressful than the previous years. It's a big junior year for him. And I would be going so fast that I wouldn't have him because he's not a scream from the rooftops kind right. of kid. He's very quiet and low key and does not ask for help. Right. And now, so, So
0: many things happening for the two of you to reflect on. And the more we can relax our bodies, I mean, anybody listening right now, just right now, take some big deep breaths and just relax the muscles in your body. I mean, we, we talk about these types of practices as coping mechanisms when we are stressed. But the only way you can really begin to get them ingrained in your way of being, not your way of doing. You're a human being is to practice them throughout your day, integrating flow, like you're going down that easy river. The lazy river, right, that path of least resistance is to go, oh, hey, I'll relax my body right now, or let me take some bigger deep breaths and use the technology available to you. Use your Apple Watch if you've got one that says pause for mindfulness, pause for breathing. It's really critical that you learn the skills so that you can create a way of being instead of all of this striving and doing, and that's the only way you ultimately get to thriving
2: in living your extraordinary life. Let's go back for a minute, because I do think this idea and notion of like, even me saying it out loud, let it be easy. It's counterculture, first of all, because we're taught to control the situation, right? If we're not on top of it, we must be irresponsible. We have to correct all inaccuracies and falsehoods and We need to protect our reputation and how people perceive us. And so if you're having a conflict, whether it's at home or on the work front or in your broader world, you want to go fix it. You want to address it, right? That's our ego. But that's our ego. But that is what we're taught. Like, Well, don't let that perpetuate. Like, Go address that situation. And what I'm challenging you to do, because God knows it is such a liberating place to be, Maybe it isn't irresponsible to let it be easy. Maybe it's the most responsible and liberating thing you can do for yourself is let it be easy and don't try to control the situation. Go to that place where you are regulating your own emotional response and the meaning you're assigning to it and allow it to be easy. Go through it without saying, oh, this is going to be a frustrating conversation. (laughs) This is going to be a difficult day. That's right. That
0: your wand, your words are your wand. Oh, so you're you're creating our reality.
2: (laughs) Your words
0: (laughs) are your wand, and so we are the creators of our reality. And you know, you're born. Now, I do a lot of rapid transformational hypnosis work with my clients to help them really get over those subconscious blocks that they. You know, they can spend all day long saying positive affirmations and trying to create a new reality and quit their jobs and create a life by design. But until they can really understand their own traumas and fears and uncertainties and doubts and where they stem from, you can't heal them until you've gone back and acknowledged them. And, you know, it's very therapeutic. It's it's not I'm no counselor, but I am watching people shift from their their traumas into a space of, oh, it. It's okay to be me. I am enough. And you're born enough in this journey on this earth. You are supposed to forget that you are enough because of the way in which we've written the stories of more and more better, better thinking capitalism and, you know, better fight for your rights, you know. And then at the end, when you die, hopefully you will have remembered your wholeness and you will die knowing, you know what? That was a very interesting game I just played. And I invite everybody to just look at it that way, that you're not broken, you're not failing, you're not missing out. You're just having an experience and you're the only one who can make it mean anything. So what experience would you like to have next and next and next?
2: And you own that. I love that. I mean... So, so many things are coming up right now that I want to ask you. Uh, let's delve in into the spirituality realm, because that I'm very interested to hear what you think, what your own personal knowing is about this journey that we're all on. What is your point of view? How does it so fit, the way you live?
0: The way I live and every, and by the way, whatever you believe, align to what you believe and make that work for you because it there's value in all right? And what I believe is probably shows up in all the religious texts, even though I don't put a religious label on it, right? So uh, at one point when I was in grad school, I went back and researched the Baha'i faith, which looks at every religion and the consistency of, as an example, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's in every religious text. So no one's getting it wrong. Nobody's, you know, Some people believe, well, I'm right and you're wrong. And and that's a catabolic egoic experience, which can really cause suffering for a lot of people. And they may choose that. For me, I have decided for my journey that I am an extension of some sort of energetic source, call it universe, God, whatever. And in my journey, I believe I had a soul contract to come through this world on planet Earth with a bunch of other souls. And that we all agreed, you and me included, that that we would intersect throughout this journey along my 100 years, if you will. And in that time, I would be here in a meat suit. My soul would be in this meat suit to have a sensory experience. And that sensory experience is literally my senses. So I'm supposed to touch things, taste things, feel things, hear things as best as possible, as much as possible. And then I'm supposed to listen to the emotions, energy in motion. It is what moves me towards paths of least resistance and what feels good. So there is value in all. This is an assumption I live under. There is value in all from murder to orgasm. I mean, it's all the yin and the yang. There you have it. All, all the things. All the things, right? As our my friend Michaela likes to say, right? All the things. And at the end of the day, I am the only one that gets to make it mean anything. And therefore, I get to choose how I allow that life experience to move through me. And mm-hmm. it is moving through me because you're talking about I was anxious. I wanted to make a phone call. So I have this acronym that might be helpful for people that I like to teach my clients. Imagine that you're in an experience that's triggering to you. It's upsetting to you. Um, let's say you get in a fender bender. Okay, just keep it simple. My invitation to you is to stop. Literally, you probably have now that you ran into that car. <laughs> I want
2: you to observe. <laughs> and- you, that- stop.
0: you should stop. <laughs> you should stop. Please stop and call the cops. <laughs> stop observe. Who am I in this moment? You know, if it's you and your car, you know what? I am me. It's my car. I've just run into someone. Then I want you to understand what matters most to you in that moment. How do I want to show up with this person? What matters most to me? Maybe what matters most is I need to make sure and get their insurance. But I want you to remember, you've taken this breath. You've observed who you are. You understand what matters most. And then you have an opportunity in in this segment of your life, to live the legacy you'd like to leave behind. So if you didn't hyperventilate while we were taking a breath, stop, observe, understand, and live. Soulful living is mindful living.
2: S-O-U-L. Go through that that acronym again. It's beautiful. Right.
0: So let's say you're a working mom and you get home from work. You've, You've had to go into the office now that we're back in the office and you drive home and you're still a little stressed out and you've got three kids in the house and a and a husband who's just walked in himself. Here you go. You are in the car, you're jacked up, and you think, wait a minute, I gotta go in there and be a mom. So you take maybe the keys in your hand as your trigger and you say, Stop. Big deep breath. Observe who am I when I walk in this door? I'm a mother. Understand what matters most to me is a mom. You know, love. Love matters most to me. And as I take those keys and walk in that house, I then choose to live the legacy I want to leave behind as a mother. it's beautiful.
2: Beautiful. And it's cool. It's easy. Stop, (laughs) observe, understand, and live the legacy you want to leave behind.
0: And I like that letter L because maybe it's listen, lead, learn, lust, laugh. I don't care how you apply it. Stop, observe, understand, and live. And again, practice that throughout the day. It doesn't just have to be when you're triggered. Say, wait, who am I right this minute? What matters most to me? Okay, right, right. Here's my values. This is what matters. I'm going to live that legacy.
2: Mm. I love that, Nicola. Let's talk about authenticity. Favorite subject, Mm. you and me. Um, When we talk about living our best lives, living our lives by design, we often talk about the importance of authenticity, which if you do not know what you want, these are hard things to kind of get your head around. But what comes up for you and how do you talk about authenticity and why it matters so much when you're talking about life by design?
0: Authenticity is telling your truth. Point blank. That's it. Not worrying what other people think of you or even telling your truth, knowing people will think poorly of you. Let me give you an example of a real, this isn't, you know, this is actually strategic self-care authenticity. I'll give you an example. I had this beautiful friend text me and she said, Hey, what are you doing Thursday? And I was like, I don't know. What are you doing Thursday? She's like, you want to take me to the airport? And I was like, well, well sure. What time? She said, well, my flight says 6 a.m. And I was like,
1: uh,
0: like I'm, I'm looking at my text and I'm thinking, I don't want to take her to the airport at 4 a.m. So I'm like, why don't I'm you get like, an Uber? Uber right. I'm like, why don't you get an Uber? She's like, well, you know, around here in Wilmington, it's really hard to get Ubers and blah. And so at the, while she's texting this, I'm over here finding the how to schedule an Uber link, right? And I'm pasting it into my text with her and I send it to her. And she's like, yeah, well, you get up early. Why don't you just take me? And I sat there for a second and I said, well, I'm not going to take you because I don't want to. She She did not text back. She did not text back. And I think I'm like, Oh, I might have just lost a friend there. Like, what's good? Because what do we say to ourselves? Well, friends take friends to the airport. Friends help friends move. You must not be a friend if you say no. And then, so I mean, this was a long silence. And so finally I said, Hey, don't make this mean anything. I just don't want to get up that early. You're true. It was my truth. And, you know, I've told that story to my clients. I've told that story a million times. And let me tell you, 75% of the people that hear that story are like, are you kidding me? I can't believe you would do that. And I'm like, really? Isn't that interesting? So you live under an assumption that that is kind of like a given. Even if you're going to wake up at 3 a.m. to get ready to get in your car to go get her by 4, you're going to not sit there and go, why the hell did I say I would go take this person to the airport? I hate this. I'm exhausted, blah, blah. You can't play the martyr. You can't have it both ways. So authenticity is telling your truth in the moment. Now, but Nicola, I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. It's like, okay, well, sometimes you don't tell all the truth, but you work around it so you don't hurt their feelings. If that's what matters most to you. I I knew my friend would still be my friend. She is my friend. And I didn't want to have to lie to a friend and or or sugarcoat it or here's what people do. They make up an excuse. They make it up. They lie and they say, Well, I got a really busy day on Thursday and you know, and, and that was not my tri- the trick. The truth was I just did not want to do that.
2: Yeah. No, and look, I think the more we can mm-hmm. live in our truth, the better. I think we are so concerned with what other people think. And we don't when we don't have our self-worth in a healthy place, it's easy to fall victim to that because you're really going outside of yourself to do all those things thinking it's going to fill the cup of self-worth and all the thing that it's doing is draining. So when you are able to really recognize the importance of meeting your own worth by yourself on your own, filling that in from that internal work you need to do, that internal journey. Nobody can give you your worth or your validation but you, right?
0: Now, be clear, there are moments where we ruminate uh, or we feel bad, you know, that maybe that person is upset. And if that's the case, then you go and you recover. So there's recovery. Say, you know, I know when I said I didn't want to take you to the airport, um, it seems like that upset you. What did you make that mean? Well, I made it mean you weren't my friend. Now, this is not what happened with us. It turned out fine. But if you can recover, and recovery is key, because if it does matter to you what your friend, how they feel, then talk about that. Again, speak your truth. You know, I have clients who come to me all the time, and they're in these conversations, these coaching conversations, and they're like, well, you know, I just wish that the so-and-so would actually... You know, do this, that, and the other. And I wish they understood that I ABC. And I'm like, "Mm -hmm. have you told them that? And they're like, well, no. It's like, what if you told them exactly what you just told me in the same words, like this relaxed state of, I just feel blah, blah, blah. Well, they might not think I'm competent enough. They might not think I'm worthy of this job. They might not think. And I'm like, I don't really care what they think. What do you want? Right. Because you've, here's the one thing my mama always taught me is you speak your truth, but you have to allow the other person to react. You cannot control another person's reaction. Despite you think. (laughs) I know. Despite (laughs) what we think. So we have to be able to trust that whatever that, however that unfolds is for the greater good of all that's in, that you're experiencing. Because if you're constantly walking on eggshells and avoiding conversations for fear of something that May or may not happen. You're never going to live that extraordinary life. It is not a life by design. My definition of a life by design is to do what I want, when I want, where I want, with who I want, without apology and with joy, unapologetic joy. And, you know, most people think, oh, they're so this. And there's, I said, that's your insecurity about what you think someone might think of you. So stop projecting on everybody else out there. And focus on you. Just what makes your life by design beautiful, the kind of life that you don't need a vacation from. It's time to let go of those little T, big T traumas of your past and recognize that what you think of you is all that matters. I know, Nicoa, but, and I'm like, yeah, well, you can argue for your limitations all day long, or you can choose to live under these assumptions.
2: It is so true. And yeah, we find so many people that live on eggshells, they live walking on eggshells all day long. And then they wonder, you know, I'll get the phone call, Michelle, I'm just I'm so stressed and I'm so tired and I'm exhausted. I'm like, of course you are. You're carrying this giant load on your shoulders that no one wants you to carry. And on top of it, you're walking on eggshells because you're anticipating a response or reaction from other people. And you're afraid because at the end of the day, you know, we've talked about this before. There are really only two emotions in this world at play. You're either operating from fear or you're operating from a place of love. Call it what you want. Love, faith, uh, optimism, positive outlook, fear, frustration, irritation, annoyance, whatever. But it's fear or love. And so you cannot live a life by design. You cannot live your extraordinary life if you have a fear-based response, and all of those emotions that you think of in the negative sense fall under that. And all of the emotions that fall under love come out of the place of faith in something you do, that is not seen, but that you believe to be your true and authentic belief and and feeling. And it is amazing where people will say, "Oh my God, I have been carrying all of this stuff, assuming." I had to, and nobody, but nobody was asking you to.
0: But we, you did. know, I, I, you hit it. And, and what we remember two things here that came up when you said that fear and love are energetic vibrations. So no matter how much fear, uncertainty and doubt and whatever that you're carrying, you are attracting more of it. So point blank that this is physics. So really understand this. Where the mind goes, energy flows. The second piece is stop assuming carrying everyone equals caring, Mm. okay? And this was big for me over the years. I'm like, you know, I've carried all my kids. I couldn't sleep at night. And what do they say? A mother is as happy and satisfied or least happy and least satisfied kid. And I'm like, that is BS. I can't carry my children. I had one of my daughters used to go and take the boat out at night with all her friends. And I could not sleep until that boat was back at the dock at the house. And I was like, finally, I told her, I was like, look, man, you're going to have to text me or something. You got to tell me when you're coming back. And she wasn't back that way. It was like 1230. I said, I can't sleep. And you know what she said to me? That must be exhausting, mom. And I was like, you know what? It is. She's like, how is this any different than if I was out with friends in a car? How is this any? And I was like, well, sometimes I stay awake when out. But there, I was doing nothing to support her by staying anxious and aware and alert. I have a phone. She has a phone. If there's an emergency, someone will call me. Go to sleep, please, and get your rest. Carrying her did not equate to caring. Carry, caring for myself actually equates to caring for my children. And mm-hmm. not sleeping was not caring for myself.
2: Let's talk about vibration because you brought it up and I want to go there a little bit more um, and just kind of give people something to uh, releasing their teeth in on vibration. Uh, When we talk about leaving from a place of joy, something you and I feel very strongly about when we talk about life by design, how do you, particularly with your clients, your executive coaching clients, your leadership clients, How do you talk to them and and really help them understand how vitally important it is to get to a vibration of joy and happiness, even in the imperfect state in which they feel they are operating in, in order to make change, in order to make a transition that's healthy, in order to actually live the life that they want? Because often I I see, I hear, and I talk to leaders um, of all sorts telling me how life's not going well. Everything's just so stressful and bad, and blah, blah. And got it, got to make a change. And you're like, oh, that's a tolerator order from that mindset and that state of being. I don't even know how you can do it. You're talking from a deficit. So you do. Right. Well, first of
0: all, you have to learn the skill of validation. And everybody write that down, all caps, validation. Well, what does that mean? You know, as a coach, we learn this skill because the person who calls you and says, you know, I'm about to lose my business and I'm overwhelmed and I've got two incompetent leaders and and my, you know, corporate parent is pressuring me and the board, blah, blah, blah. Well, at the end of the day, the first thing we can do is hold a sacred space for that person and validate them and say, I can imagine, yeah, that sounds like that's a lot of pressure. It sounds like the way in which you're perceiving that would cause anyone to feel upset and overwhelmed and feel like there's nothing that can be done. Now, I invite you to think about that in the context of another person. Well, guess what? Go look in the mirror. That's the validation you need for you. So if you really want a life by design, you got to go, oh my, well, no wonder, Nicola, that you'd feel overwhelmed. You got divorced after 25 years and you had to move your kids back home and you, you're trying to make as much money as you used to make, but you only have one income. And oh my God, Nicola. Of course, you'd feel overwhelmed and not know where to to start. The trick here is once I feel heard and seen, even it's by myself, of myself, then I can take the isness and begin to say, well, what else do I see? What do I want, right? Well, I want to feel like the magic works and I can attract anything I want and I can have my own business and my kids are going to be safe. Okay, start looking for it. Start looking for it. So, you know, I had, I'll give you an example. I had a client and I sitting in a Starbucks once. My, you know, I'm coffee with Nicoa. I'm a big Starbucks fan. Absolutely. Neighbor. I brought my, <laughs> maybe we- Yes, awesome. Well, I was sitting in the Starbucks and I said to him, I said, we're going to take the next 30 seconds and you and I are going to both look around. And this guy was just like that client you referenced, very negative and overwhelmed. And I said, let's just look around this very crowded Starbucks. And when we come back in 30 seconds looking back at each other, we're going to describe it to each other. He looked around and I looked around and he came back and he said, well, they're clearly understaffed. There's too many people in line. That girl talks way too much and they need to clean up over there near the trash can. And I'm just telling you, this place is a mess and I don't know how they're still in business. And I said, I could see how you would see that. And I said, well, would you like to know what I saw? And he said, Oh yeah. You know? (laughs) And I said, This place is so popular. Look how many people are willing to stand in line for so long. And look how engaged that individual Starbucks barista is and how happy she makes each person. And because they probably are a little bit understaffed, they don't even have time to go over there and clean up that trashy area. And maybe when I go throw this cup away, I'll wipe up the counter for her because I love it here. And he paused. And, you know, it doesn't matter what he said next. Because he actually just said, I see you too. I see what you see. But my point is this, you get to choose what you see. So just like they say, when there's a, a big trauma, a big earthly event, and they say, look for the heroes, I want you to start looking for the life by design. You already are creating it. There are the good things you wished for 15 years ago that are right here, right now. So start looking around the room. You may have to start with your, you know what? Yeah. That is my favorite pen. I do, I remember buying a whole box of those because I love these pens. If you got to start that small, that's the beginning of your life by design.
2: You know, that is so vitally important because I actually had this conversation with a girlfriend going back a couple of years ago where she said, well, that's easy for you to say because you're so lucky. Things just happen for you. And I just said, Yeah, things do just happen. I am incredibly lucky. You're absolutely right. I firmly believe that. Like money follows me around. I get breaks. The parking lots open up for me. Good projects come my way. The people I don't want to work with because they're grumpy seem to like get moved off and new people come in. It's amazing how many awesome things happen for me. And she just looked at me like, because
0: she has a root belief, and it's
2: either I'm not enough, or people
0: are different from me, or that's not available to me. These are the three most common root beliefs. And until we can overcome those in the subconscious, you're going to keep running up against it. And yeah, it, you know, people are going to look right at you or me and say, Oh, that must be nice. And you know what my response is? Just if like yours. Is. Yes, it is. Come on in. But it doesn't mean we don't also have. Days where we're overwhelmed or we're crying or we're tired or we're disappointed. Because remember, energy in motion, emotions. I want to feel all the feels. I want to ride this roller coaster of emotion. But what is unique about that experience is that I'm observing it as I go. And I'll never forget after getting divorced, after that 25-year beautiful story that had to come to an end, It had to change the Choose Your Own Adventure there at the end of the book, if you remember those books. Oh, yeah. At the end, I was lying in the bed here at the sound house, just bawling my eyes out watching that TV show, This Is Us. I mean, one episode right after the other. Oh, oh, well, I miss my family. Oh, my God. But there was this higher version of me, and I call her my tipsy BFF. She's my biggest fan. And she looks down at me, and she's like, Wow. Isn't it amazing that you can grieve that so powerfully and at the same time carry so much joy and excitement about your future? And she's always there for me. Sometimes she's like, oh, you're not going to exercise again after a week and a half? Just like, okay, let me get some more wine so I can watch you sit on the couch, right? She doesn't care. She's in love with me. She's not the gremlin on my shoulder that's like, are you sure? Or you better make sure you better. I can't believe it. You know, you failing or you're not working fast enough. I validate my gremlin and then I go hang out with my tipsy BFF. That makes my life by design that much more fun.
2: I love it. Well, for all our listeners out there, I really invite you to spend some time today to really think about the most expansive version of yourself and your life that you want to experience and just sit with that. Just sit with that and feel what that's like. What does it feel like? Have that expansive, juicy, abundant, fulfilling, best version of whatever that life looks like for you. And allow yourself to feel all the emotions. Because once you start that, you get that in motion, you are on your way. You are on your way.
0: I always say, Michelle, we cannot design it if we don't define it. Mm-hmm. So that exercise is pretty critical, you know, and I, my six word story is life by design. I love mine. The question is,
2: can you love yours too? Ugh such a beautiful way to wrap up this conversation that I know we are going to continue for sure. Nicola, thank you so much for joining me today. Where can people find you?
0: It was a privilege and an honor to always have a platform, and thank you for giving me one today. I mean, I feel compelled to run to the top of the mountain and help people help themselves, and I would be honored if people needed me to support them as an executive coach or a professional coach in any form or fashion. They can go to nicoa.coach, and you can also listen to a whole bunch of other people who have lives by design, the kind they don't need a vacation from, at Coffee with Nicoa, the podcast. And you can also check me out at
2: coffeewithnicoa.com. And we have an episode that we recently recorded with me on Nicoa's show. So I'd hope that you will check that out when it comes available, which I think will be soon. That's so. right.
0: I can't wait for it to drop. You can go now on Apple or any of the
2: podcast platforms and subscribe to Coffee with Nicoa. Awesome. Nicoa, thank you so much. We'll include all the links in the show notes for everyone. I hope that you'll come back again and we can talk about life by design some more.
0: Absolutely. Stay extraordinary, my friend. I love you. Love you too.
1: Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, please take a moment to rate and review. If you have recommendations for future topics, please reach out to me at michelleriosofficial.com. Lastly, please consider supporting this podcast by sharing it. Together, we can reach, inspire, and positively impact more people. Thank you.